Andy, Andy, Andy Barrar. How are you, Andy? I'm good, Martin. How are you doing? Awesome, awesome. And it's it feels kind of uh, like uh, it's almost sacrilegious to start talking about September and the fall and going back to school or going back to work, but uh, it's only a couple of weeks away. And yeah, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, well, you know, Martin, I was thinking, you know, like the the retailers try to get you to think about back to school in July, but yeah. myself, I wait till about mid-August. So this is like the perfect time to start thinking about back to school because you're going to have to buy new products. You want to get everything set up. So now is the really time to start thinking of whether you're going to high school or college, or maybe you're going back to school. This is the time to start thinking about it because this is when all the deals are going to be coming online. That's a good point. And if people go to handyandymedia.com, uh, you have kind of a cool blog with videos and lots of photos. It's a back-to-school desk makeover. And this is good for anybody, whether you're going to school or you're working at home a lot. Uh, it's a, a back-to-school desk makeover, which is kind of cool. Yeah, well, you know, whether you go to school or not, you're going to come home and do some kind of homework or maybe you're just working now. You work from home or maybe you work part-time remotely, you know, and when COVID happened, everyone kind of just had a makeshift desk, you know, had to kind of make things work. But now that we've gotten used to it, now is a really good time, especially with back to school, to kind of look at your desk setup and think about accessories that you could add that can enhance your, your entire workstation. Because it's not just a desk anymore. We're talking about workstations because we Zoom from there, we do our emails, uh, we chat with friends and family even after we're finished working. So the one recommendation I just did this, Martin, is, you know, a lot of people use a second monitor with their laptop. You know, it's great. You get more real estate on, on to, to yeah. work with. But one thing that I just did is I bought these. Um, they're basically monitor arms. So what you do is you attach them onto the side of your desk and then you can attach your monitors onto that. And so I have a... I'm, I'm one of those guys that has two monitors. So I have my laptop in the middle and then a monitor on each side. So that's a three monitor setup. And now that I have these monitor arms from a company called Kensington, which is probably one of my favorite tech brand accessories right now because of the quality products that they make. And so these arms, they're just rugged. Like they, they mean business and you can adjust them to the right angle that you want it. And then you have an Allen key and you can tighten it so that that monitor won't move. And what that does is it frees up the desk space underneath because you don't have that monitor stand on the desk. So you have more area to have all your papers or your coffee cups, or if you eat at your desk, you're just going to have more real estate while you work. Yeah, and then looking at the photo on handyandymedia.com, uh, that's a lot of real estate. That's a lot of screen space, which yes. kind of makes uh, life easier sometimes when you have a lot of different forms and you're trying to go from one thing to the next. I find that having the, the more screens that you have with your workstation, the better. Like if you're working, you could have just one dedicated screen on your emails. If you're constantly, you know, answering emails, you could have one with the word processor right in the middle, say on your laptop, but then you have a second screen where you're doing all your research and then you don't have to, you know, toggle through all the different tabs on that one single screen. I'll tell you what. Once you go two monitors, uh, Martin, it's hard to go back. Like when I just work on a single laptop now, it feels weird because I've had so much real estate. And I highly recommend people do this because one thing you'll notice if you buy a laptop right now, like right now is the best time of the year to get a laptop because of back to school. But what you'll notice is that all of these laptops are ultra thin 
and they don't have many ports on them. So what you have to do is get one of these USB-C hubs. And so it's one a single USB-C into your computer. And then from there, you can attach HDMI ports. You have extra USB-A ports, just a variety of different ports that you can attach from there. And that allows you to create this. So you can hook up your printer, you can hook up additional monitors or external hard drives without having those ports on there. And another thing that you'll see on that, that blog post I did, Martin, is I made a switch to a mechanical keyboard. And you probably remember these. Back in the day, you had these mechanical keyboards that made these really loud clicking noises. Right. Well, they were just they were great technology, but it was the it was the clicking that was annoying people, especially if you're in a busy office. All you could hear is click, click, click. But they've created these new mechanical keyboards that are ultra quiet. So you still have that nice tactile feeling of the keys. But it's not loud. And I made that switch. And I'm telling you what a big difference it is when you have a quality keyboard, especially when you think about how much you're using it day after day. So I'm not exactly sure. Is a mechanical keyboard different from a, the typical keyboard that you see? Yeah. So if, if you remember, like, I'd say maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, that those were the keyboards that were out. They were all mechanical. They made that really kind of a click. So each key has its own kind of like circuit. It's a direct kind of circuit. Now the, the new ones are all like circuit boards. So they just kind of like have a little tap. So the 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 technology under the hood is different. But from uh if you ask people that type, they love the feeling of a mechanical keyboard that the way that the keys click. But like I said, it was the noise that they made. It would drive people nuts. Right. So the, the manufacturers realized, you know, people love these keyboards, the, the way that it feels, but we got to make them quieter. And so they did. And so Kensington, the same, same brand that made the monitor arms, they created this new keyboard. I tried it and I was like, wow, like it, it's quiet, like a traditional kind of keyboard, but it's got those mechanical clicks. And it is really, you, it's hard to explain. Like once you type with it, you realize the difference between all the new kind of keyboards that are out on the market. But the mechanical keyboards are where it's at. You have to trust me on this one. And now that they're ultra quiet, there's really no reason why you wouldn't want to make that investment, especially if you type a lot behind a computer. Well, I've just learned I need something uh, that I didn't know existed before because I have the same. I, I have a very flat keyboard at my yeah. home office, and I kind of hate it. And I that sounds what you've described sounds great. Um, so, so let's talk about the typical kind of desk that people have, whether they're students or they're working at home. And uh, you mentioned the, the big uh, uh, triple monitors, which sound awesome, which would be yeah. very helpful. What do you think is the one thing, the mistake that people make with their home office and their desk setup? You know, Martin, the one thing that drives me nuts is the cable management or the lack ah, thereof yes, of, of the cable management. So what I did is I have like this really elaborate desk uh, in my home studio. And what I did is I use zip ties and double-sided tape. You can buy these little kind of tape things where it has a little hook on it. And then you can use zip ties and you can hide all your cables underneath your desk. And then what, what I recommend you do is if you can, screw the power bar onto the bottom of the desk so that and maybe drill a hole or run it from the behind the desk underneath. But you want to try to hide all those cables. And if you can, if you can put the power bar underneath, you could connect everything and just have the one cable that goes into the outlet. And then everything else is kind of underneath. And I always love to show people my desk. I'm like, look. Where are the wires? You have to like bend over underneath. And then it's just like a sea of cables under there. 
but I've nicely organized it. So I really recommend people take the time for that cable management, especially if you're going to set up your desk once and for all. You know, do a good job. Make sure you have extra power bars and and just organize your cables. It drives me nuts when I see people with messy desks uh, and cables all over the place that are tangled. And I'm looking at the picture that you have on your website. I don't see a mouse pad. Do you not use a mouse pad? Uh, you know what? It depends on the kind of mouse that you're using. Uh, the ones that I have that, you know, what's funny is if you look on that picture, Martin, that mouse that I have there is the same mouse that I bought 18 years ago. It was the first Bluetooth mouse that came on the market back in 2004. And it still works. And people are always wondering, like, you're the tech guy. You have all these gadgets. How come you use the exact same mouse since like 2004? And it's, it still works. It's like, a, it's like, it's become a part of me. It's like worn out, but my fingers, my hand, it fits like a glove on that mouse, Martin. So, you know, I'm all about keeping tech alive yeah. and trying to use tech. So that, that, if I had a child when I bought that that mouse, Martin, that child would be going to university right now. That's how old this mouse is. Wow, that is so. It's it's kind of ironic too because it, with you, everything's new, and it's yeah. <laughs> and that's the. It's nice to see that you're loyal to certain things. I always try to fix tech. I'm I'm a big believer about that. Like just recently, I had a laptop where the battery was dead. So I went online, found the battery. And then I was trying to replace the battery in the back, Martin. And the, the way that it's different screws that they use for all these laptops, you have to have a special screw kit, which I happen to have, but one of the screws was stuck. And I ended up breaking a little bit of the laptop to get the battery, uh, the back panel off. And then once I put everything back together, it was kind of falling apart. So I ended up having to buy a new laptop, um, you know, but I did try to fix the old one. I'm, I'm a real big believer, but Unfortunately, if you look at the manufacturers and the way that they make tech these days, even TVs, dishwashers, anything, they're just not built to last. And that's a really unfortunate thing because I'm a big believer of the right to repair movement. And I'm hoping that there's more pressure on these on these companies to build products that you can fix. Because a lot of times it's something simple that you need, like a battery replacement. And they're not really designed for you to fix. They want you to buy and buy. But hopefully, you know, we'll see a, a change there where they're going to have more and more companies that will create that and, and at least adhere to the right to repair movement that we're seeing that coming out of the EU and slowly it should come here in North America. And we have our guest, Handy Andy, with us. Handy Andy Barrar, uh, his uh, website, handyandymedia.com. And uh, we were talking about uh, making over your desk for back to school. Uh, let's move on to uh, Amazon. And whenever I get something from Amazon, I always feel a, a small amount of guilt. It's always, it's always so convenient and it's quick and everything, but... Uh, I feel like it, it's often something I could have bought from a store, but the worst thing is the packaging. There's just so much packaging. You buy like a bottle of shampoo or something and the shampoo is wrapped in plastic. Then it uh, comes in a, a cardboard box with uh, all the, the little air pillows, all that plastic. But Andy, you, were, you are uh, talking about Amazon wanting to ship your orders without a box, which seems kind of crazy, but maybe that's what they should do. Yeah, well, it looks like they're going to be experimenting with that. So in the future, when you buy something, it might not come in that, that uh, Amazon box that you normally see it in. And the reason why they're doing this, Martin, 
is two reasons. One, they're trying to hit their sustainability goals. They said last year they did about 11% of the packages that they sent, maybe, you know, were without the Amazon box, but they want to increase that. And the reason they want to do that is boxes are expensive. Those are expensive. There's a lot of Amazon boxes they have to produce just to ship. So what they're going to do is start experimenting by having you, if you buy an item, say it's a single item, it will come in the box that it was from the manufacturer. So this opens up a interesting debate because that might will be in the front door. People are going to be able to see that, say, toothpaste or the shampoo that you bought off Amazon. Whereas when it's in a box, you don't know what's inside it. So the question is, will this increase porch piracy or decrease? And there's kind of arguments on both sides, Barton. Some people say, you know, not having that box, people are going to see and know if it's like a low dollar item, they're not going to go and steal it. But when it's in the box, you don't know what it's inside. It's like a kinder surprise. And that might lure a lot of people to become a porch pirate because of the curiosity of maybe it's a high item value, like a laptop inside that Amazon box. Yeah, that's interesting. It is a, a psychological experiment, but I guess some products would be more suited to to not be in packaging. You know, like a an air fryer. It's already really well packaged, and it's in a square box or something. But other things like um, like if you buy records, I, I buy the odd uh, LP record because I'm you know into Love that, yeah. and if it came not in a cardboard mailer, I think that thing would get destroyed. Yeah. And so Amazon is not going to just like go without the box. Some items still will be in a box. Um, but by default, when you're ordering, it's going to come without a box, but you can actually select that you want it to come in Amazon packaging and then it will. So I think this is going to be staggered. It's going to come slowly over time. One trick that I have, and this is what I use, Martin, is I built a box in front of my front door out of wood, and it's kind of high and wide. And so when people, when the Amazon delivery uh, driver arrives, right at the bottom of my, my doorstep, it says, put all packages in this box. But from the street, you can't see what's inside that box. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So that's one recommendation I have for people. If you get a lot of um, online deliveries, have them put it inside of a bigger box that's on the side of your house. That way, people are less likely to steal it because it's not going to be sitting on your front door. People might look around and then hurry up and run. You, you see it all the time with people with doorbell cameras where people are porch pirates stealing their, their boxes. So that's a good tip to do if you do a lot of online deliveries. Right. You've got everything covered. And, and finally, in the, in the minute that we have, uh, what about drones? They were talking about delivering stuff with yeah. drones. Is that still a thing? Yeah, you know, I thought that was a big joke, like an April Fool's joke years ago, but they still are looking into doing that uh, in the future. Drones are have, you know, the technology has increased a lot over the last couple of years, but they're probably going to do it for more rural settings, not like for a downtown Vancouver kind of setting. But yeah, drone deliveries are coming very, very soon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess uh, as a tech guy, are, are you into drones themselves? Do you have a drone? I reviewed one recently, Martin, for the first time, and uh, it was a lot, a lot of fun. I felt like a 15-year-old kid again playing around with the drone. They've gotten really good. They have a lot of good safety features that if you're scared, you can press one button, and it will land exactly where it lifted off. So, yeah, drones are a lot of fun, but you have to be careful where you drone because 
there's a lot of places that you're not allowed to fly them. Yeah, very, very true. Well, Handy Andy, Andy Barrar, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Martin. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.